that's where I want to be. And I, Don, I kind of looked at it. I was like, hey, look at it. I'm, I'm selling these little boxes and they're filled with shoes mm -hmm. and they're little shoe boxes. And I said, you know what? I, I like the shoe boxes. I like shoes, but I like a little bit bigger box. I like I like boxes that I can put people in. Mm. And um, so, you know, kind of fit the mold. And I was like, this is beautiful. Welcome to My Company Story. I'm your host, Don Burge. My Company Story is a podcast where I get to interview some of the most interesting business owners and CEOs about the challenges that they've faced and how they've overcome them. Enjoy the show. I'm here with Jesse Howard. He is the uh, serial entrepreneur. Jesse has a fascinating story to tell us about his journey in the footwear business and then in the real estate business. So Jesse, yes, welcome. That is true. Welcome to My Company Story. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Don. Appreciate so Jesse, it. let's start off telling us a little bit about the footwear business. You graduated from USC, and when you were in school, you had a partner, right? And yes. Tell us about that. I had a partner. I uh, met him in a Writing 340 class at Marshall School of Business. Became friends, and uh, he kind of led me over to China and uh, fell into the footwear business. So what does that mean, fell into the footwear business? What did you guys do? We... Uh, Started designing and manufacturing shoes, um, found a private label customer, and uh, ended up being kind of connected with Steve Madden. Mm -hmm. Made uh, made sh a lot of shoes for Steve Madden uh, in China. Shipped them over here to the U.S. for Steve Madden, and uh, kept getting a few orders, and went from went from there. So, so you uh, so you're in school, and your partner had a connection in China, right? With yep, the Chinese guy, yep. Chinese guy had a manufacturing company over there. So you saw some at a trade show. How did you get involved in that? Started, yeah, our, we started a, with a trade show and we had all different kinds of footwear. We had, you know, snow boots, work boots, uh, men's shoes, women's shoes. It was kind of just a collage of, of footwear and uh, ended up focusing kind of on women's footwear. Okay. And uh, that's 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 how we kind of started, um, was in the women's private label business. So someone who had a connection with Steve Madden, they had designs and they said, you guys, hey, can you make these shoes for less money than we're buying now? You said, yep. And you started doing that, right? Yeah, we stole the business basically, I, sh I don't know if I should say stole, but we took it from Brazil. They were manufacturing shoes out of Brazil. And uh, you know, at the time I was you know in China and, uh, you know, I thought that we could make them a little bit cheaper than what Brazil was doing at the same quality. And uh, sure enough, that's that's how we how we started. We, we were manufacturing very similar shoes, um, you know, designs um, at a price much less than not much less, but cheaper than Brazil. Right. And that's kind of what launched the footwear business. So that's running now uh, and you're doing that for a couple of years. And that's going pretty well. And then, but you have one customer, right? Yeah, we've got one customer. It's a little nerve wracking. Uh, so I, I kind of tell my partner, hey, uh, Charles, like, you know, we got it. We need to diversify a little bit here. We, you know, I know the money's good in the private label business, but you know, what these guys are doing is they've got a brand. Right. So I was like, hey, let's launch our own brand. So we, uh, you know, started a, a company called Matiko, M-A-T-I-K-O. You can check us out on online at matikoshoes.com um, or Urban. Uh, uh, anthropology, anthropology Yep. So that's kind of the brand that we launched to kind of compensate for a one customer situation in the private label uh, world. Um, and so that's that's what I've been focused on is the branded business. 
Um, and Matiku is a high-end woman's branded shoe. It's a mid-tier, you know, $150 retail price point on average. Okay. Um, Steve Madden's, you know, from $59 to $99 average as an example. Okay. We're kind of like one notch above. And what I try to do is just put, you know, like leather outsoles, leather insole, leather lining. So just added a little bit more, you know, quality and uh, dollars to the to the to the unit. And it was kind of more specifically targeted for like the boutique, uh, you know, the brick and mortar boutique stores back in, you know, 2003, 2004. So 2003, 2004. was when I started. Yeah, that's when you started. And you're selling your brand into these hundreds of boutique show, uh, stores that are all over the little neighborhoods. All and over the U.S. All over the yeah, U.S. Canada. Doing well. A little bit in Japan. Right. At the same, at a parallel path then, you're also making these shoes for Steve Madden. Yeah. For that guy, right? For Steve Madden, Aldo, right. BB. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, basically, they would like a design and then uh, they would say, hey, we want to put our label on that. Got it. Got it. So Got that, it. that's what the branded business was able to give us is because they started seeing our designs and 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 uh, wanting to buy those designs and put their label on it so then what happened to that in the the business that you first started then the shoe business that went up and you were doing great with the steve madden shoes you had a designer you're working with on that you started your own brand on the side but what happened with that primary business that first business the primary business kind of got a you know, like I thought, and that's why we started the branded business was, you know, I, I kind of lost control. It, it was, uh, you know, Steve Madden could go directly to the factories that I was using or, or the other brand that was working for, for Steve Madden could go directly to the factory and basically cut me out of the, out of the loop, saving another buck or so, right. which was my profitability in, sure. in, in, in the private label business. So you started them uh, going from Brazil to China and they said, thanks very much, Jess, we're going to do it ourselves that, now. And that, they cut you out of that's it. That's right. So but, I got cut out of the deal. Probably didn't get all my money that I deserved, but uh, you know, we got it done. Yeah, good. So in the meantime, so that's, you're out of that business now, but now you're doing your private label business and so that's I, churning along and you're selling to boutique stores all around the country and Canada and all over. And then what happened? So what happened was it was going well. I mean, I, I was pretty excited. It was a lot of work, a lot of travel, always living out of a suitcase. But, it, you know, between New York, Vegas and China, that's, you know, in the airplane, that's pretty much where I, where I was located for, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, what happened was, you know, in 2008, we kind of had the financial crisis thing. Stuff started kind of unwrapping, you know, right. and um, I didn't really feel it until about, I think, 2012. Um, I kind of noticed, you know, a lot of boutique brick and mortar boutiques started dropping off. You know, I had 350 boutiques and, you know, I've got a handful now. Um, but they all started going out of business mm. and, you know, I kind of saw that I felt the ripple in the water. Um, and I said, Hey, you know, I got to I got to do something else. You know, I love the shoe business. I love, I love traveling, but I'm getting tired and, uh, I, I, I got to do something else. Now, were they going out of business because of Amazon and because big box was coming in there or you just, what was going on in that marketplace? Yeah, there was, uh, Definitely the dot-com was affecting brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It was the start of Amazon. As an example, there was a lot of little, you know, nasty gal, shopbop.com, all these other little dot-coms. And those actually got consolidated and usually picked up and purchased by the larger guys. Zappos.com is an example. I mean, I remember going to selling shoes at Zappos and we're like, dot-com, this guy's selling shoes online. You know what I mean? It was pretty crazy. We went to their little office in San Francisco, which they, you know, then moved to Vegas. Vegas. And Vegas now he's pretty much owns you know, 
old town, I guess right. now, right? In Which Vegas. is pretty wild. I mean, I wish I wish I was on his path because my business didn't quite go like Zappos. But <laughs> yeah, um, but dot com was a very interesting situation and definitely affected our, uh, you know, our our brick and mortar stores. I mean, it just you know. So your customers all of a sudden are just not selling as much. They're not buying, so they're not buying as much from you. And so your sales in that secondary path now of your own brand that starts to take a, a real a decline. A real decline. Yeah. So then, what did you do? What did you figure out then, or what direction did you take then? Well, I I, I like real estate, and I had a neighbor uh, who ended up being my partner, uh, Marshall Pumphrey. He's a great guy, um, and he always had an Aloha shirt on, mm-hmm. and always had time to you know bullshit. You mm-hmm. know, I mean that's, and I was like, man, what does this guy do, Don? I'm like. You know, like, man, I wish I had that much time because I'm always flying around all over the world, China, Vegas, New York. And I'm like, you know, I'm making money. I'm making okay money. But, you know, it's like, man, I want that time. Yeah. You know? I'm working really hard for my money. And I'm like, and Marshall's over here in a low high shirt Mar- and a, and a, and a drink. Shirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm just trying to figure it out. And so, you know, he's a neighbor. I said, Marshall, like, what the hell do you do? He's like, well, you know, Jess, I was in, you know, I was a salesman at TWA. I was like, all right. So, you know, we got some similarities here. You know, yeah. both salesmen. I'm a, you salesman. Know, I'm a shoe salesman, yeah. right? Yeah. Thank God I'm a shoe salesman, you know, just to put a touch on it. My wife, you know, is probably the best sell I've ever made, you know, and it all came out of the <laughs> yes, shoe business. But, it, we can all say that. <laughs> but anyways, back to Marshall, you know, he was a TWA salesman and, and he got into real estate. You know, I think he was, I think his first house, he was 26 years old. He bought his first real estate and he kept buying and selling or buying and saving and, and, and kept buying. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of had a short conversation. He said, Hey, Jess, what, what do you think about getting into a fourplex? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I, I, I definitely want to do something different than shoes. Right. Um, and uh, he gave me the opportunity to get into this fourplex. He's like, let's, you know, let's go 50-50. And I'm thinking, hey, this guy knows what he's doing. He's done it for years. He makes money. He's got time to hang out. He's wearing an Aloha shirt. Yeah. And he's your role model. I'm yeah, like, I'm, I like, I'm like, you know, I want, I want to be like Marshall. So he's like, let's let's partner up. And I said, sure. And I'm like, well, what do we need? He's like, well, you know, this guy called me on this place up on 6th Street here in Long Beach. And, you know, I think it's a pretty good price. And I was like, okay, you know, all right, Marshall, let's do it. Yeah. So, you know, we ponied up the dollars for the deposit and uh, we got a loan on it and uh, it worked out. And, you know, that was that was the first property I bought with Marshall and his wife, Roxanne. Um, great, great partners. Um and that was in 2012. 2012, and you know, I didn't really know the real estate market. I didn't know that you know the uh, you know the cycle of it. You know, I didn't know that we were. It was a good time to buy real estate. I didn't know then. it was such a great time to buy, but I guess I kind of lucked out. So there's a little luck involved for sure. sure you know, sure. I like to say you know there's more smarts than luck, but there was definitely some luck involved on 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 that situation. Right. And uh, we looked across the street, and there was another building for sale. And I said, now that's really what I want to own, Marshall. It was you know we bought we just bought a fourplex, and we look across the street, and there's a 25 unit wow complex. And I was like, man, that's that's the kind of level. I want to be on, you know, yes. I want, I want something taller and bigger and more units. No, no, hold on a minute. Let me take a break. How old are you now? And how old is Marshall? <sighs> roughly, roughly at that time. The, so Marshall, I'm, 30, is, I'm early, early thirties, 32, 32 at that time. And Marshall's in his maybe late fifties at that time. Yeah. Late. Yeah. It's early six. Yeah. He's 66 okay. years old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a few decades ahead of you. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you guys look at the cross the street and, and you say, looks good. Looks good. And my brother was like, Jess, this thing looks real good. He's my younger brother. He worked with me in the footwear <laughs> business. He liked it. I, I call it the Jesse gut check. I had a good, you know, feeling about the building. A lot of my buddies at the time were like, you're crazy, Jess. Like the market's going to go down. Oh, it's yeah. in the ghetto. And I said, you know, I don't know. I just, you know, I think it's a good deal. I right. think it's a good deal. And, uh, you know, I, I rolled the dice and put everything on, you know, everything I had on, on this one 
big 25 unit building. Wow. All right. So you put, you're all in on the, I'm all on in. The, you're all I'm in. All on in. The big I pushed building. all my chips and the... I'm not, I'm not that much of a gambler. I'm a hard worker, but I don't, I, I typically don't like to gamble. Like I don't gamble in Vegas or anything like that. Yes. You're an entrepreneur. You, da- you gamble every day. I, I guess, but I just, you know, I don't, I don't like, yeah. I don't like gambling as it is, but I get it. But what's happening now with the shoe business. So you're, 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 you're now you're investing in real estate with Marshall. It's 2012. The shoe business is, is, is the, the shoe maintaining its own. It's floating. It's floating along. Um, my wife actually works with me in the footwear business. She kind of runs that. Um, she's the logistic queen and, and she was, a uh, one of the head p- persons at a paper denim and cloth, which was a denim company. And I was able to kind of get her over to my side of the fence or my business, the footwear business for probably half is what she was, she was making in the denim <laughs> yeah. business. She took a cut and pay. She took a cut and pay, but uh, you know, I lucked out and got her. And, and uh, so, so she's kind of helped me with that and, and it's maintained the footwear business, you know, pays the bills, you know, it pays our healthcare. Okay. We get a little salary. I get a W-2 from it, um, which helps, you know, in the real estate business. So okay. That's kind of my biggest problem is the W-2, right? My W-2 is not that big. Right. So it's hard for me to, to borrow money. Oh, sure. So, so you know, because you know, entrepreneurs, we try not to pay ourselves too much, right? right? And, and, most, and not much taxes. Right. So yeah. uh, that's the one thing I don't, I don't like to pay a lot of taxes, but, you know, you do have to pay something and sure. and, and you got to prove something to the bank to get the loan. So right. anyhow. Yeah. So you've got a little money coming in or a little money. I mean, you've got you have money coming little, little in, money. paying yourself, got health insurance. That's going okay. But you're looking over here at the real estate thing going, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. And I, Don, I kind of looked at it. I was like, hey, look, at I'm, I'm selling these little boxes and they're filled with shoes mm-hmm. and they're little shoe boxes. And I said, you know what? I, I like the shoe boxes. I like shoes, but I like a little bit bigger box. I like, I like boxes that I could put people in. Mm. And um, so you know, kind of fit the mold. And I was like, Hey, this is, this is, this is beautiful. And I've got, you know, little boxes with people in it and, and they're paying me money every month. Right. It's uh, you know, like Marshall says, it's mailbox money, Jesse, mailbox money. Yeah. Don't work too hard. You're, he he always tells me I'm working too hard and, and I, I, I need to have passive income. Yep. So, so that's what that is. It's passive income. You got money coming in. So the people in. boxes are passive income once right. you make that investment, that purchase. And the other aspect of, of people boxes is that someone can lend you, what, 80%, 75% on that. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, that's what I was so stoked with real estate and Marshall as a partner, right, was the access to loans, mm-hmm. money, mm-hmm. right, at incredible rates. When we started out, I mean, when we bought the 25 unit building, the rates were three and a half percent. Wow. You know, and I got 70% loan to value on the deal. And, you know, in the, looking in comparison to the footwear business, it was like, it was always a struggle. You know, it's like, oh, well, what's your accounts receivable aging, you know, time period. And, oh, we can only lend you 20% or 30% or 40%, right. maybe 50 if you're lucky. Right. So the access to cash in the footwear business was just so much more difficult. Mm-hmm. And the time that I put into it wasn't as easily, I wasn't able to cash out as right. easily, right? Right. Like real estate, A, I've got great loans mm-hmm. at great rates mm-hmm. and I'm able to cash out of that thing unless there's some sort of downturn, but I can pretty much cash out all my sweat equity. Right. You, pretty you, much in 60 days, right? right. In you, 45 to 60 days. You've got an asset that's sitting there that you can always turn into cash if you need to. Where's the footwear business? Footwear business is a name. It's a brand, it's a, you know, and I've had people approach me and, and, and say, oh yeah. And you know, they, oh, I'll give you a, you know, half million dollars. I'm like, oh, half million dollars is like, you know, to me it's worth more than that. Right. right? But right. No one, there's no one else that's really values it more than that. Right, right. right. And Whatever it's harder it to sell than real estate, right, obviously. Right, yeah, right. and limited market to buy. And a very limited market, yeah. right? All right? Shoe business is a small world. So in 2012, you, you start getting involved in real estate. You start with Marshall with a fourplex, then a 26, 27. 25 unit. 25, 25 unit, unit building. Yep. And then another building. And, and we got another, another building. building. Another building. Yep. And um, everything was going pretty well. I thought, you know, this is cool. Um, we inherited some property management 
businesses that were managing those businesses for the previous owners. Okay. And so we just kind of kept them. Uh, you know, I said, Hey, I, d I don't really know anything about property management. So, you know, let's let the pros do it. And I just kind of, just like in the shoe business, when I got started, I kind of, you know, looked over their shoulder and figured out Learn. what the formula was, learned what they were doing. And I kind of said to myself, you know, I, this is something I can probably do is property mm -hmm. management. You mm -hmm. know, I'm, I bought the building now. I can definitely I can maintain it. I definitely can maintain it. I'm pretty, you know, handy guy with tools and people and, and, um, you know, the decision was finally made on a property on Broadway and, uh, the property management, I, I went in to renovate. This is the story of how I got into property management is I went in to renovate. I renovated this property. It was beautiful. We were getting like, when we bought the building, it was like 800 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, if I could get like 1895, I'd be so stoked, mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's worth that. Cause it looks fantastic. Right. right. It's a two bedroom, 1100 square foot. And, and I, I, I talked to the property management that we inherited on the transaction. I said, Hey, you know, like, what do you guys think we can get for this thing? Right. You know, it was 800 bucks. Right? right. And, right. And, you know, I'm thinking like 1895 and, uh, they're like, Oh no, you can't get any more than 1695 for that. Jess. Wow. And I said, I kind of stepped back and I thought to myself, I said, you know what? These guys got to go. Yeah. These guys got to go down because they don't have the vision. They don't yeah. have the dream. They don't have, they don't have the big, the big picture. They, they can't foresee what I'm seeing. Yes. You know? And uh, I ended up renting that unit, Don, for twenty three ninety five. Holy cow! Yeah, what a so, difference! Wow. So I got rid of them, managed it myself. I sold it like a great pair of shoes. Yeah. And uh, I got some great people in that little box. And uh, twenty three ninety five. That's a I was, great I was, story. I was like triple, you know, triple, triple the value. Yep. You know, and it was, yep. you know, we we're, you know, just to kind of make numbers simple, we were paying like a hundred thousand dollars a door. We're putting fifty into it. And, you know, I was able to triple the rent. Wow. So I thought I was like, oh, this is, this is the awesome opportunity. It's right. kind of like the private label business when it hit me in the face. You yeah. It's making, making some money on the private label business. So you learn from the shoe business and the private label business and really applied those lessons to the real estate business. Yes. Yeah, and like 100%. you said earlier, you've got a box of shoes. Now you've got a box of people. Yes. And, box the, and, of people. and the box of people has all these different advantages to it. But without Sometimes those people are a little bit more difficult than well... the box of shoes, but, you know, they <laughs> yes. usually pay better. They talk and, and it's mailbox money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you learned a lot from that area, from that business. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Right, well, and, and applied it. Yeah, just dealing so they, with people. Dealing so, with people. So now with the real estate's gone up in value. It's gone up in value. Where are you finding opportunities in real estate now? It's it's harder and harder now because <clears throat> the, the the market's kind of topped out in my opinion, um, value wise. It's I mean, as an example, you know, we were buying it at a hundred thousand dollars a door, putting fifty into it. Well, now those those properties are three hundred thousand dollars, and you can't really put fifty thousand in double or triple the rents or or get get the return. Right. So you know, we started looking around and. Uh, Two years ago, I, I found a parcel of land and I said, hey, you know, we've done some investment. We're doing some property management. Um, we're do doing some remodeling and construction. I've, I've got that pretty well under my belt. Um, I think it's time to kind of take it to the next level, which would be development, right? Mm -hmm. Raw land to, to units, to right. building my own little boxes, right? Not just investing in boxes. So I purchased some land and I'm in the uh, process of uh, building 27 units on 8,600 square feet okay. in downtown Long Beach. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, and it's a podium construction. It's basically like garage parking floor made of concrete and four stories of stick frame construction above that concrete podium construction. All right. Yeah. So this is your first foray into development now. Yes. And this is a couple. Well, I, I did, I did build a duplex side-by-side -side duplex in the shore. Mm -hmm. uh, that was kind of my first uh, development stage okay. in life. And uh, I was able to build a duplex side-by-side -side townhouse and then I condominiumized it. Um, I rented it for a while, while 2008 kind of the numbers were, <laughs> the market was kind of down. Right. And I ended up selling it 
two two or three years ago okay. um, and, and pulled my money out of that deal and did all right and got a beautiful house. Got it. Now. But you've learned about the development game and are you learning about it? And what are some of the lessons you've learned uh, along the way about development? Is it very uh, hard to get into, hard to and how, hard to think, make work? I think anybody can get into it. It's it's not easy. And uh, there's a lot of barriers. I, I, I'm, there's more barriers in the development than I was anticipating. Tell me and about that. It's the barriers or are, are, are challenges. I, you know, I, I don't know if it's called red tape challenges with the city. I mean, I, I regulations. found the regulations um, is just, I can't even believe it. everybody's been, you know, oh, we don't have enough inventory and in Southern California as an example. And I just can't believe how difficult it is to put 27 units in, into the marketplace so as pol- inventory. Politicians you know? are saying we don't have enough affordable housing. Right. And yeah. yet they're making it hard for guys like you it, to make affordable housing. I mean, to sum it up simply, I mean, there, we could have a whole nother hour conversation on this, Don, but to summarize it, you know, it, it, there's about a million dollars in city fees to put in 27 units. A million dollars of fees just to, to build before so you bought land you, now you got to put another million bucks in before you put a shovel in the yes, ground yeah it, it's wow. and i tell people that number and they're kind of like blown away they're like what what are, what are you talking about jess they're like oh you know like you know permits aren't that much yeah you're right permits aren't a million dollars permits are about you know five or six hundred thousand dollars of that million dollars wow but then you throw in the public works requirements to improve all the alleyways the water the sewer connections um and and the the one that was really shocking was the Edison uh, mm. the Edison fees that I have to pay to oh. improve the infrastructure of Edison oh utility that I have to cover as a small or private you know small developer wow so you add up all those fees it's right about a million dollars and what 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 I find you know I kind of reverse think it and uh, I'm like wow like if I back out a million dollars in costs out of my total project budget right at a four cap yeah right. I'm not the best mathematician, but it's about, I would say it's about 300 to $350, I believe, a month in savings per unit for the end consumer. Per unit to the consumer. So a guy buying... Now, you, we might have to check my numbers on okay. it, but uh, roughly. But, 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 you know. Roughly. So so uh, so the people that are going to buy that, what are those 27 units? Rent, rent, rent. We're going to rent that unit. Yes. Is has to pay how much more per month? About three hundred. I think it's about three hundred to three hundred fifty dollars. They got to pay three hundred fifty dollars more a month just to cover the on a, on a four cap on a four cap. Yeah. So that's so you know it. Mine are all single uh, one bedrooms, one right. bedroom, one bath, nice with you know washer dryers in them. It's all first class stuff. But you know, um, first class being not not the high end you know current current property product offering, but right. a really nice unit with storage and washer dryer and parking. And if those guys are paying about, you know, our, our, our performance is probably about 19, 1900 bucks a month for okay. these one bedrooms. All right. Okay. But you back out 300 bucks, 350. Yeah. All of a sudden, 1900 is kind of expensive sure. in my opinion. Sure. Right. But, you know, $1,600, it's more affordable. It's wow. it's an affordable unit. And, and you know, so, it's, so it's, the it's, city, what, what is it? Like 30%? I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a crazy number that the city or Just, the state has to take. Right. To make it happen, and it's just kind of that—that kind of is really confusing or blows me away. I guess. So they're talking about affordable housing, and yet right. they're creating non-affordable housing by making you charge more to cover your permits and fees that you've had to pay. Correct. To build a, a piece of a place for someone to live. Yes. Wow. That's wow. much needed. That's in, that's much needed. You're right. I mean, people I mean, keep talking about how much. It seems like they should be begging 
guys like myself or other developers to come in. Oh, hey, you know, we're going to waive those public work fees. We're going to we're going to redo the public work, you know, the, the, the alleyways. Yeah. Or Edison should be like, oh, we got that covered. You know, don't worry yeah. about that. We're so happy that you're coming in here to improve the right. this this neighborhood. Right. Or, or, or add 27 more new units to this right. neighborhood with parking. Or let's not get a conversation about rent control. And right. that's, yeah, yeah, that's, going on. that's a whole other conversation, too. <laughs> All right. Well, Jesse, so fascinating. So you've gone into from uh, shoe business to uh, to branded shoe business to then the real estate investment business to the real estate development business. And you said your wife is a broker also. Yes, my wife, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of wanted to get my real estate license because I'm a shoe salesman. Um, but I realized, you know, I need to have these relationships with other real estate agents and brokers. Right. And if, if, if I'm one of them, then they probably won't talk to me. That's right. And I learned that from my buddy, Ed Arnold. Um, so I, I said, Hey wife, um, I think you got to get your real estate license yeah. and I think you got to get your broker's license because we need it to be able to manage our right. properties and other people's properties. Right. So yeah, we, we, we do have that, but I kind of keep that undercover. Um, because I don't, I don't want other brokers knowing that, right. you know, I have that, but in some sort, you know, and I'm happy to pay a commission. It's not, it's not that I don't want to pay a commission. I just don't want them to be afraid of me. Sure. Like a conflict to, of interest. Yeah. yeah. A conflict. Cause I'm, I'm not going to go around them. Right. Right. Um, I'm happy to pay somebody a commission if they bring me a deal. I think anybody is right. Of course. If there's but, money uh, out there. And so, and so the, so now then the, the challenge you were telling me earlier, one of the challenges you have then is having access to capital when the right opportunity comes up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's, uh, you know, I've, I've got some older partners, mm-hmm. right. And their, their mindset's a little bit different or they're different. They're, they're in a different, different place stage in life. Yeah. Different stage in life. Right. Yeah. They're a little bit more conservative. I'm a little bit younger. I want to keep going and right. growing and pushing. And, um, my partners are more retired. They don't want to take the risk. They want to, they want to, you know, keep the debt low. Sure. And, and I, I do think that's very important to keep the debt low mm-hmm. on, on deals, but when the right opportunity comes, you know, as a new development, 27 units. And, you know, we got, we got to be ready to go. Right. And, and, uh, you know, I'm always looking for, for cash, you know, availability. So anyone listening to the show right now that may, uh, like your story and want to invest with you, if the right opportunity comes up, how do they get a hold of you? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Best way to get a hold of me is, uh, you know, email me. It's Jesse at howardpacific.com. That's J-E-S-S-E at Howard, H-O-W-A-R-D, Pacific, P-A-C-I-F-I-C.com. Shoot me an email um, and, and let me know. You know, opportunities come and go. Right. And uh, timing of, uh, of deals is, you know, that's that's the opportunity. A lot of the times, you know, if you don't have the right timing or the money lined up at the right time, right. the deal's gone. Deals. Yep. But, um, you know, and they come and go. But if you, if you can identify the deal and you have the access to, to funds, then uh, you can definitely make things happen. Great. Fantastic. Jesse, thanks so much for your time. It's been a yeah, great... appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for having me, Don. Great story to hear. All Thank right. You. Thanks, Jesse. Hey, thanks for listening to My Company Story. We have new episodes coming out every week, so please subscribe if you like this. And if you'd like to hear previous episodes, you can go to mycompanystory.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you or someone you know would be interested in coming on the show, please email me at don at burge.com. Thanks for listening.